listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 332. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our discussion of the YouTube science fiction series, Impulse. And dude, when I got up this morning, because I did have to get up early for uh, something, I thought, oh, maybe Wayne will you know, check in with me about recording early, but uh, I guess you had a full day anyway, despite the fact that you guys got a snow day today. Yeah, I, it was not entirely expected that we would be off, but uh, I had like five uh, full laundry baskets set of clothes to fold. So, um, and plus uh, some some Christmas shopping to do. And honestly, uh, I I watched the episode once, but I didn't take notes watching it. And so I got to a point where last night I'm like, um, that's the watchman final episode i'm gonna watch that i'll just i'll watch i'll take notes tomorrow like during my playing period um and then we didn't get a playing period actually i i didn't i skipped my homework and and uh snow day saved me so um i actually watched the uh the bill Steelers game too then i watched impulse and took notes and then yeah. And I had to run out and get there so like whereas it really doesn't sound like i did a lot there was actually a lot to do yeah, I figured it was going to be something like that. And then uh, Mary and I last night were, you know, sitting down. We watched the final two episodes of Limetown. And then, and, and I'm, I'm heading you off at the pass. So you can just relax for a couple of seconds because I said to her, oh, you know what? I think his Dark Materials is on. Let's check it out. What? No. Oh, it's on Monday. I, and that I'm would then be your anything. cue to say, right? Exactly. Not, right. I'm not, so not, not going to say anything. <laughs> right. So we're looking forward to watching that tonight. But, uh, you know, anyway. Uh, so so how far you got into Watchmen? Because clearly you didn't watch the final episode like everyone else in the world last night did. Uh, no, I, I'm only two episodes in. So I've got a ways to go. <sighs> and uh, yeah, I know. and and But I, I have another... Uh, mini rant that I'll get to in, in a minute. But uh, before I start my rant, uh, Wayne and I want to thank all our patrons. And, you know, if you are interested in becoming a Patreon supporter, you can go to the website, sci fi TV rewatch.podbean.com, and there's a link to the right. Or you can just go to patreon.com slash sci fi TV rewatch. And, uh, you know, we of course would appreciate that. So in terms of the tip of the week, what we're watching, I, mine is really neither. I mean, I, I did mention that that my wife and I finished Limetown and really loved it. I mean, there, there's a huge cliffhanger and there better F and be a season two. That's all I've got to say. <laughs> but this week, my reaction, as I said, it's more of a rant than anything else. I simply don't understand the fascination with the Netflix series Stranger Things. And I maybe should say the continued Whoa. fascination because I really like season one. I thought that was really good. Season two, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, you know, not as good. Season three, honestly, I and I'm sure I'm insulting a lot of people out there. I think it's terrible. I, I, I don't well, even know you're why. You're probably insulting the people that made it. Well, I don't care about them. But <laughs> in terms of our listeners, it, yeah, I'm four episodes in at this point. I mean, I watched the first two because I had to for Den of Geek. And then maybe three, four weeks later, I had nothing to watch. Like, All right, I'll go ahead and watch episode three. Underwhelmed. Maybe a week later, I watched episode four. It, it's just getting worse now i've been told oh just wait till the end okay i guess of course this is the guy at the deli that told me that so right uh, i guess take that for what that's worth although i do respect his I, opinion i, I, I will say that don't, don't look down your nose at the guy at the deli i agree with that yeah so <laughs> you've seen all of the season i assume season three. yeah i i like season i mean yeah i don't know it's it's been like stranger things is it's crazy because it comes out everyone in my family watches it we watch together we're we're done in like you know a couple days so i you know i don't remember every bit about it but i i remember like that i I liked it still was it as good as season one 
maybe not, but I still liked it. Um, you know, I, I might give Stranger Things half of a pass because it really speaks to me. Because I am like, those kids were born, they're basically the same age as I am. They were, I think they were all born in like 1970, 71. So they're like, it's like 1985, I think, and they're 15. So, you know, what they're doing, the bikes they ride, the the music they're listening to, everything kind of really speaks to me a lot. So probably there's this nostalgic, emotional part of me that that gives Stranger Things a pretty wide berth. And so the, it, ha- it would have to be probably pretty bad for me to call it bad. Um, now, that being said, like from... I remember watching season three and, and, and liking it, you know, I think it's still a combination of exciting and, and funny and, and dangerous and everything. So I don't know, teach their own though, well, right? Well, you know, and I wonder whether we're coming at it from different contexts. Obviously you just said that you watch it as a family. So I don't know if that means with your wife and your kids all together, which I can certainly see as a really terrific experience, which is, clearly not how i'm watching it that said i doubt seriously whether i'll be watching season four when it comes out but i will probably chip away at season three and and find out if this ending is everything the guy at the deli (laughs) says it's going to be so uh that's the end of my rant though uh you got anything you want to talk about yeah uh i'm not you know watching it anymore but um i was watching uh, Man in the High Castle, I guess a couple weeks ago, um, I actually started watching the last season, season four, right? And um, then I'm like, ah, it's been like a year, you know? I, so I went back and rewatched season three first um, and then straight into season four. And, uh, you know, it was, it was great. That, that show... Um, I know not everyone loved the last season, and it certainly does end on a really ambiguous scene that um, you know you're just like, wait, what? What? What's? I mean, you, you know, like what's happening? It's something that they've introduced actually in season three, um, and so it's it's not any kind of new thing, uh, but you know, you're just watching like. Wait, you know, you're trying to process what exactly it means, and the showrunners did nothing to really kind of help you out there because it just kind of ends there. But it was still cool, you know. It was just great. Uh, this this whole world building that they do, which you know, like for one thing, you don't really think about, but how like they have to create all these costumes that are like Nazi costumes and all these props and everything have swastikas on them, and basically, you know, whereas in most you know shows like the the cast and and the crew would want to keep some of the mementos of the props and stuff they use no one wanted to keep those props on man the high castle you know um so that's just like one of those weird things you think about like oh yeah they've just had to create it you can imagine going to the local tailor and said i need about um a hundred big banners with swastikas on them you know and they're just like um what so anyway uh great show ended you know weirdly but strong uh, resolved, you know, pretty much everything there was to resolve. There's still a couple of characters. I'm like, oh, what happened to that character? And so on and so forth. But uh, overall, super cool, great. Um, I, I guess maybe they kind of left the door open if they wanted to come back to it. Um, I know season four is it, but uh, I think they left the door open enough that if maybe some enterprising young filmmaker could convince them to go another season maybe uh amazon might be willing to pony up the cash so anyway it's great all right cool well i may be getting closer to getting amazon prime as it turns out because this marks the third time that the commercial for the marvelous mrs mazel has appeared on our tv screen and my wife brings up the fact that we don't have that do we I'm like, no, we don't. Now, I do notice she never asks that question when the ad for The Expanse or <laughs> Man in the High Castle comes up on the screen. Right. So uh, that said, yeah, I don't know. So we'll, we'll, we're getting close to that. So anyway, all right, let's talk some impulse. This is episode three of season one, Treading Water. 
written by Deborah Fordham, who really has no genre cred. She's written for Scrubs, Nashville, Army Wives. I'm sure they're all fine shows, but uh, <laughs> not in our wheelhouse. Directed by Ed Freeman, who has directed for The 100, including the season seven premiere, which, of course, has not aired yet. I think The 100 usually comes back in second week of January, so I'm not sure if that's going to be the case this time or not. And then, as we've said before, season one dropped altogether June 6th, 2018. So uh, opening scene, we revisit, and I really love how Impulse does this, revisit scenes from a different angle or from a different time period. This is after Henry teleports, and we see Jenna and Towns going in the bathroom. And again, you love Towns. He starts to walk in, but it's the girl's bathroom, so he kind of hesitates. But then he goes in because (laughs) he knows how important this is. Well, I was, you know, just one thing I was thinking about that because, like, obviously, a lot of shows nowadays are like Netflix, Amazon shows that you people binge them. One episode leads right into the next. And so you don't really get that you know, hey, here's what was happening at the end of the last episode really quick. Yeah, I mean, some a lot, some epi- some shows do, you know, the um, previously on whatever. But, you know, like I said, if you watch a show on Netflix, you're not going to really get that. Uh, they're just going to jump into the next thing. So uh, if you're watching these a week at a time, you might not remember. But Impulse did what kind of like the, I you know, I remember old, you know, TV shows doing is that if a the the action of one episode carried over from action of the previous episode they would cut in you know back by reshowing us a little bit of the previous episode to kind of get you caught up yeah and i love the way they do it here which is sort of a you know a combination of the things you just described and in this scene henry's gone from the bathroom they see the destruction but then we're taken back to Henry's house and the confrontation with her mother who wants to know why she left clay there, which on the surface is a entirely valid question, but you know, they have it out and and that emotional response. I am alone here. Can you not see that? And uh, of course it has multiple meanings. She certainly feels somewhat alone in this new town, but, Obviously, the the new factor of teleportation is making her feel even more isolated. And I think what we see out of this episode is that she lets Jenna and Towns in a little bit more. For sure. And and when she says she is alone, she is alone. Yeah. But, you know, well, obviously, as we said, by the end of this episode, she's not so much. And part of it also is because she does push jenna away jenna like legitimately wants to help towns legitimately wants to help but henry is so used to keeping people at arm's length that um you know her being alone is not a hundred percent the fault of rest in new york right and and we know that jenna is you know thoroughly involved with the popular crowd at school so the fact that she virtually abandons that aspect of her life to help this teenage girl who's living in her house probably against jenna's wishes i think says a lot about her and i think you mentioned last time that for her to have grown up like this says a lot about her father thomas and and certainly her mother who's now dead absolutely jenna jenna's beyond all right all right well let's talk a little bit about cleo because last time i mentioned chronological seems to be the way to go but this episode really breaks down into separate components that while they do have an impact on the overall narrative for the purpose of this episode they're they're pretty much in isolation so you know cleo i think comes to some realizations in this episode we, we got that scene at the bowling alley and you know she meets bill boone we'll certainly see the boone family in a second but this admission he makes to her that he doesn't know how to handle what's happened to his son so i'm gonna go bowling while he's in the hospital well you know people process in different ways dave but you know um yeah it doesn't seem great i mean we know we see him in there i'm a little you're we're a little surprised because we just saw 
Clay. We know Clay is now awake in the hospital and everything, and here's Dad bowling. Like, um, might you want to be with your son, dude? <laughs> like, well, just well, the other thing, yeah, and, and the other thing he mentions is the fact that there's not going to be an athletic scholarship for him now, and I think when we look at the larger picture, his car dealership alone probably gives him enough money to send his kid to college but his drug business we know so it's really not about that it's about the status i guess that his son gets a basketball scholarship to college would afford him it's somewhat mitigated though when he reveals that he's been 13 years sober so anytime somebody can do something like that you do have to recognize them i think for that sure now, i guess you could argue at this point you know, that's pretty much all we're going to recognize him for well yeah you know but that's something but also you think especially when they they make such a big deal because like okay you've never met this lady before and you're just telling her straight up that you haven't had a drink in 13 years so i would say in the context of the big deal they make of it there's a reason why he's been sober for, well, obviously there's a reason, but it's not just like he just woke up one day and said, ah, I'm just really sick of waking up hungover. You know, like I feel like something happened that would have caused him to, to do that. And, you know, the, the mom's not around. So, you know, is that, is that a factor? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Although you might think it would have the opposite mom leaves and then he starts drinking, but. Well, yeah, I think again. I I don't like the the theories and everything, but my initial thought was, uh, he was in some kind of accident that killed his wife. He was like okay. drinking and driving, and his okay. wife died. You know, something like that. Okay. I, I don't know if that, but you know, that I I feel like later on there's going to be some kind of reveal that as to why there's going to be some big dramatic thing as to why he's he's not drinking. But either way, yeah, he's he's still he's he's still an asshole. Yeah, I mean. I'll- I momentarily <laughs> forgot that I know and you don't. I yeah. nearly slipped. But uh, so what do you think about the confrontation that Cleo has with Thomas when she confronts him about not letting her know that Henry was in the car with Clay? Because I thought that was pretty intense. It, and, it was definitely intense. And, and, you know, well, I think what we're seeing here is Cleo's what we call pattern of behavior. You know, like we know that she does this. She goes, she meets a guy, they, you know, they're together for a bit. She moves in with them apparently, and then she leaves, right? Um, and it looks like she's really heading down that path here because she she basically, you know, jumps in on Thomas who, okay, Grant, I mean, I get it. Like you want him to tell you stuff about your kid, especially stuff that could be, that's like something important like that. But on the other hand, it's not like he did it out of any kind of selfish reason or anything. Like he he says, I was trying to protect you. I'm trying to protect her. But she just tears in on him. It's like she's looking for an excuse to fight. She's looking for an excuse to run. And because the first place she goes is straight to the bar. Yeah. Right? And, and I don't know about you, but I was certainly surprised that that played out the way it did. Because we, yeah, we thought she's definitely going to go. Well, and honestly, Dave, she might have. Like, we don't know. Like, we just, we see her in the bar. The guy says, come to dinner with me, which, yeah, really means come have sex with me someplace. You know, and then she's back. So we assume that she said no to the guy and went, you know, back home and started unpacking her stuff finally. But, you know, we don't know, know that, you know. Well, right, and and I don't know know that, but I, well, I you would do just, because you've already well, watched it, so you know what. The well, is. yeah, but I'm, I, what I'm telling you is, we we really never find out for sure. Okay, so that we so, assume that it's it is. I mean, it's just kind of not 100. percent I don't know if they meant to leave it, you know, ambiguous like that, but you know, obviously, the, you know, they, they leave open that possibility that oh, wait, maybe she did go back and something with that guy and something happened or that she came to this realization maybe you know she had sex she woke up felt regret and went home uh but really probably we just assumed she just said no thanks for dinner uh i gotta get home yeah right and, and i i think we need to understand that all of this is important because of the way it impacts henry and she comes home to find her mother symbolically unpacking 
and they've been down this path enough times that I'm sure it's not surprising that her mother still has boxes she's never unpacked because that's her that's her uh, pattern of behavior as you said so I, I think it really is telling and then they have that conversation about henry's father and cleo tells her the truth that he didn't leave her for another woman that she was out playing a weekend gig and when she came home she finds four-year-old henry alone abandoned by her father now i'm sitting here trying to think all right which is worse that you abandon your kid or you have an affair well clearly abandoning your kid right but when we when we think that she's trying to protect henry we understand i probably would have come up with something other than he left us for another woman you know if you want to protect henry's feelings i think as she gets older it it certainly leads her to to form a certain opinion of her father but then mom says no more secrets and we're thinking like, well, Henry has nothing but secrets. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't- literally, I mean, Henry agrees to it because what else is she going to do? It's kind of right. like when you know Bill took her up to identify the Mennonite that quote unquote attacked them. You know, she's she's in a position where she has to kind of roll with it and say, oh yeah, sure, mom. No, we got new pack, no lies. You know, but it's just impossible for her to. To honor that promise, there's just no way. You know, she can't even. She, her mom doesn't want to. Like it's like she doesn't want to know the truth because she can't handle the truth. You can't handle it. Yeah, no, just <laughs> Brendan just got. I just got a few good men out of the library from him, so I was, it's that's kind of on my mind. <laughs> nice, nice. But th- that's in fact though one of the things that's going to unfold as the episodes go by. Who knows what when and we already see towns and jenna starting to be able to put the pieces together and and the three of them you know really coming to terms at least at one level of what's going on here but i like the 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 lie that just like you told towns (laughs) just (laughs) completely disbelieving all right yeah now the the boone family's obviously got a lot going on with them as well and Bill still hasn't gone to see his son. And we get that scene where he goes to buy a wheelchair. And again, you know, we're approaching the holiday season and it just always bothers me when I'll hear somebody say, well, I've got to get him something. Yeah. Well, that's a, t- you know, what, what kind of attitude is that? But it's, it's almost like Bill in his mind, he can't go to see his son unless he brings him something. So what can I bring him that he needs? And, and of course, Lucas is horrified that he brings a wheelchair because of course, what does does that send in terms of a message to clay? Well, see, well, because he, he, well, Lucas with clay is under the delusion that, that clay can feel his legs is going to be able to walk. He's just experiencing phantom pain, you know, but Lucas is kind of buying into it. You know, the doctor's like, eh, no, you, you know, you can't walk, dude. But, you know, Lucas kind of buy it until, of course, they spill the coffee on his leg. Right. But this is also a perfect segue for us to get, like, our little mini sports analogy in here. Okay. Because how, how many football players have we seen with spinal injuries? Ryan Shazier of the Steelers, right? Yeah. They thought he wasn't going to walk. And sure. while he's not playing in the NFL anymore, he's certainly active on the sidelines. And, you know, he has recovered his ability to walk. And, and he's probably able to work out and run and whatever, just not play football. But, you know, I, I guess Bill bringing the wheelchair, it, it just – the the message it sends is so ambiguous. Is it like this is permanent, or should we listen to Lucas and and uh, Clay, who really hold out hope that yeah. this is going to go away and he'll be able to walk? What he should have done is he should have gone and gotten him a Lamar Jackson jersey. Now, yeah. There's a gift. Except only problem, no one has him. Sold out everywhere. The Pope has one. Right. Well, you probably got the last one. <laughs> yeah. That guy. He uh, gets whatever he wants. Exactly. <laughs> now, you mentioned that we we find that guy that 
Henry points out out at the Mennonite farm because Hulche is called to a scene and there's this dead junkie in the alleyway. And of course, it turns out to be the kid that Henry identified to Bill. Okay, so, was uh, that who, I wasn't sure who it was. And obviously, I'm too lazy to actually go back and watch to try and find out. But I just yeah. assumed it was because he had kind of a, I don't know if I call it a Mennonite haircut, but yeah. Right. So, like so the, the question cut, now yeah. is who killed him? Yeah. Unless we believe that he just simply overdosed, which, you know, again, I find it hard to believe. And you brought up the fact that Mennonites and drug cartels is actually a thing. And from everything I've seen on TV, that's pretty much my experience with drug cartels <laughs> is that, you know, that by and large, we don't use what we sell. You know, we'll, we'll let you guys ruin your lives. We're just going to get rich. Right. So, but look, I don't you know, know. It's, uh, it's Scarface, right? He's yeah. using look what look what happened to him. Yeah, well, it did lead to that awesome scene at the end, right? Say hello to my little friend. Well, actually, that's not the end, but that's yeah, a good well, scene. yeah. Uh, now the other little mini arc is Dominic on the run. Dominic being the, the French guy. And we see his family settled into this new house, albeit temporarily, we assume. His wife, who we said last time, clearly has an understanding of who he is, what he can do, and the fact that there are people out there that are after him, at least at at some level. But he tells her he needs to go see this guy, Sam, to ask about the disruptor device that he uh, got from Nikolai and he he teleports away so he he goes out to see this guy Sam and did you catch the line where he says he paid a visit to everybody on Sam's list but no one will talk so you know you we, we have to wonder well what's this list who are these people and when you paid them a visit what were you doing is keegan michael key on this list uh you know he's really the only other one that we've seen at this point it doesn't seem as if he knows nikolai per se because he he just says a guy knew i was coming and and of course he means nikolai at this point but what really comes out of this whole exchange is sam finally gives in i'm not sure if it was the uh the, the polish food he he yeah. brought him i don't know if they were pierogies or they looked i, I can't remember what he though. said but again <laughs> too lazy to rewind so right the krakow's finest i yeah. think he tells him but he finds that there's a tracker in it and dom immediately tra- teleports back to his house to find his wife dead at Nikolai's hands. Now, he doesn't know Nikolai did it. We we know that. His son's gone, and I think the presumption is that Nikolai has taken his son. I think Fred brings that question up in his feedback as well. So, sure. you know, in, in terms of the impact it has on Henry, as we've said, Henry's just trying to figure out what the heck's going on. She has no idea what awaits her. I would say ironically, but that I think takes credit away from him. Towns, I think, does have an inkling of what's out there because while Henry might look at his mention of the military and I would never sell you out to you know these uh, mega conglomerates or whatever, that's precisely what's out there. So right. well, his, but he's coming at it from a. Like like our state, he's like a, a, just a, a science fiction geek. He's got like his three computer screens set up, you know, and everything. So, like, yes, he he totally nails it because, of course, there is a bigger world out there of that 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 Henry is not even as we talked about before. Henry doesn't even realize she's a part of, it, but she's totally a part of this. Um, it just hasn't found her yet. It hasn't come to her front door yet. Uh, but T- Towns is just looking at it from a, oh, on every TV show I've ever watched, this is what happens. And of course, if people should find out that, you know, Henry legit has this ability, well, of course, like, you know, the government would probably take some interest in that and everything. So while he's coming at it from a fanboy perspective, 
maybe not because of personal experience or anything. He he does get it right though. Right, exactly. Which then leads us into the main storyline, which is Henry, Jenna, and Towns researching Henry's evolving abilities. And one of the first things I notice as Henry rides her bike back to school, and, and of course the school authorities think it was some sort of an explosion, is that contrast between her non-geared bicycle and her teleporting abilities. At least I don't think there's any gears on her bike. It's certainly a vintage bike. I think that's certainly fair to say. But I love when she goes back into the bathroom to survey the damage. I assume that's what she's doing. At first I thought, well, did she forget something in there that would you know, identify her as having been in there. But she sees that big game poster on the floor. And boy, that's some quick thinking, dude. I don't I don't know yeah. about you. Well, at first, I'm like, what the hell is she doing? Like the first time I saw this, I'm like, is she out of her mind? Why is she back in there? And and then once the, the police come in, everything like, oh, yeah, okay. All right. That actually makes a lot of sense. Fortunately, she had a can of spray paint with her. Uh, I, I guess. Always, right? You never know when you're going to need that. <laughs> right. I, I guess she had her backpack. I assume she keeps a couple cans and her mask in, in the backpack at all times. <laughs> as you said, you, you just never know. You never but, you never know when you got to stop and do a couple bong hits on the side it, of her. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So she gets out and finds Jenna and Towns outside the school, and they're starting to talk through what has happened including the fact that she instantaneously finds herself in her bedroom and town's reaction this changes everything meet me at my house in 34 minutes (laughs) (laughs) oh and again it's just it's it's so towns but the other thing that comes out of that scene we speculated before when the doctor prescribes new medication for uh, henry and and how she would you know handle that and and that i I think rightly so she takes it in good faith thinking it's going to help but uh, of course it's not going to help because it's the the right medicine to stop teleportation i guess yeah exactly well yeah that's all the thing he he just needs to find the teleportation medicine and prescribe that to her right Right now, I don't know if Henry's quick thinking is a byproduct of the life she's led, and it probably is, but she certainly understands at this point, I need to know what Clay knows. That's certainly a reasonable question to ask, but before we get to that, we get the awesome scene at Town's house, and Jenna, Henry, knock on the door, and town's sister I, I think at first we're thinking like wow town's got a young mom but then you know you, you look at it now nah, she's only like you know 20 yeah, 21 uh, although the actress is probably 25 young. right jenna faith hope it's been a minute yeah. <laughs> and henry's reaction again that might be my favorite uh <laughs> scene in the whole episode well I, I just like this i like this scene a lot as well because there's that um that the poignancy there of, you know, how obviously Jen and Towns used to be friends, and Jen used to go and hang out at Towns, and then you know kids get bigger, and you know it's it's funny like having kids, um, especially like my son Brendan, his like one of his best friends growing up was a girl, and they would have like sleepovers at each other's house and everything, and they did everything together. Then the older they got, they started kind of like drifting, just because naturally, you know, kind of like. Just being, I'm not, not that I'm saying boys and girls can't be friends, but just all the, you know, they just kind of drifted apart. It was, it was a little sad to see, you know, and everything. You know, it, I, I felt I got a little emotional, like seeing this because realizing that, well, you know, Jen and Towns used to be friends, but then, you know, he was the autistic kid and she got to be the popular girl. And I don't know if that's what happened, but, you know, they just kind of obviously drifted apart and everything. Yeah, well, and the other thing I liked about this is Megan's reaction, I think, to the fact that there are two attractive girls that are here to see my brother who (laughs) doesn't appear to me, at least, to be somebody that's, 
you know, I- engaged in dating or flirting or or, or whatever. Or friends. So, or, right. or friends, right. So, you know, they come in and Town starts approaching the issue analytically, asks Henry all the right questions, and we're starting to establish things that she goes instantaneously to a situation of from from a situation of fear immediately to her bedroom. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to start asking further questions. Well, why her bedroom? What is it about her bedroom? Well, of course, that's where she must feel safe, which I think is the reasonable conclusion we can draw at this point, right? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny to see Jenna and Towns kind of geeking out and throwing out all this scientific oh my God. language. And Henry's just looking at him like, I, I, you know, she says, what the fuck is a single naked wormhole? You know, just like, <laughs> like she's just picking up a word here and a word there and everything and everything. But yeah. Um, yeah, but it's, it's it's cool to see, you know, Jenna and Towns kind of bouncing ideas off of one another. Again, because you think these two used to be friends. They used to hang out. And now here they are kind of working together and actually interacting and, and generating ideas together. It was really nice. All right. And, and Henry's certainly a bit surprised at Jenna's command of the subject, but she's also kind of frightened by what they're saying. And then she asks Jenna if this makes sense. And Jenna says, well, from a completely detached from reality kind of way, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not helpful, Jenna. Yeah. But Towns realizes that we need to test a theory. We need to induce fear and see what happens. If we're right, your body won't even let you hit the water, Jenna tells her after uh, they've decided the best way is to jump from the cliff into the quarry below yeah okay and towns is of course filming idea yeah well you know it does and he's got his ipad that he's filming it of course she just hits the water and then after you know we get the scene when when uh, henry's out and wet and shivering and trying to get warm jenna offers to talk to clay to find out what he remembers and that's probably a better play because I don't know how tactful Henry would be in this situation. Well, so it's probably we do get to a lot. see that at the end, though. Well, we do, but again, you know, some time has elapsed. You know, I, I, again, I love Jenna. She gets to the hospital, and why is everybody standing out here? Well, they won't let anybody but family go in. Ah, screw this. I'm going in. <laughs> and right. she, you know, she just goes in. Well, especially since the kid is like, oh, sign Clay's card. And you know, Jenna. I mean, Jenna is way more militant even than than Henry is about what happened to yeah. Henry, right? Like Jenna, right. yeah. Like Henry is almost like I don't I don't know how to describe, but but Jenna is very super angry, super militant about it, getting in people's faces. She says twice in this that it was Clay's own fault, which yeah. is the truth, but might be a little harsh as well at this point because and considering how you know Clay's you know, in the situation that he is, but, you know, so she's in, in no way is she going to sign that card, you know, but right. socially kind of unacceptable to just say, nah, hard pass. I'm not going right. to sign the paraplegic kids card. Nope. Sorry. You know, well, without I, like an explanation or whatever. Well, right. And then she runs into Lucas who clearly suspects something, and in no uncertain terms, she tells him to stay away from Henry. Yeah, that's not going to pique his interest at all. Right. But I I don't want to be too hard on her because I think she does what she thinks is the right thing to do, which is to shield her friend from this family that, okay, one guy tried to rape Henry, the other guy locks her in a trunk. Yeah. All right. And the other one... Drove her up to Canada. Uh, right. No, no, Jen, right. Now, Jenna doesn't know that, I don't <laughs> right. think. But, uh, but, um, but you know, you know, like, you look at Lucas, it's just like, what does he really have to go with here? Like, does he really think that Henry somehow caused what happened? Like, that doesn't make any sense at all, you know? Now, Jenna gets home, tells Henry the news that Clay's a paraplegic, because to this point, all we really know is that He'd been in a coma, and now he's woken up. So to find that he's paraplegic, you can see it really hits Henry hard, 
And then, as you said a minute ago, he deserves it, Henry. And wants Henry to talk to her. And as you said earlier, Jenna just tells her to just leave me alone. And then we see her grab the backpack, get on her bike and ride away. So we've had all this discussion about her mom running from her problems. So the question is, do we think Henry's just running away? Well, no, not really. But we see pretty quickly she's headed to the quarry, fills the backpack with rocks, uses duct tape to secure it to her body so we see what's going on here or do we and and again this is something fred brings up in his feedback about whether or not she's running another test by herself or has she finally decided i've had enough and this is a attempt at suicide right well definitely not an attempt at suicide definitely a you know a test testing her theory, but I think Fred points out that the, the the dark side of testing your theory is that if you don't jump, if your theory is wrong, you're going to die, right? Right. And I think she kind of feels a little bit of, re, uh, of of that because we see after she jumps in, she's starting to you know tear at the tape and everything to try and, and get it off. Here's one thing: th- th- this actually made me think about this because this episode's called Treading Water, right? When you say you're treading water, it means it usually means that you're in like a, a kind of a, a stasis, right? Like we said, if you're talking about like a, a um, relationship, and you say we're just treading water, if you just stay in one place, we're not trying to progress, we're not trying to go forward, we're not trying to commit, we're just kind of staying in one place, not going anywhere, versus making that commitment, right? Um, and I think in that, not just like committing to taking this test and trying to find out, but also committing to her friends, ironically enough. Like even though you say she could have died, but you know, ironically to, to make that commitment to Jenna, she had to leave Jenna behind. She had to do it on her own. Right. But the other thing this scene brings out and, and I agree with you and, and she even tells Jenna on the phone, fear only works if you're really alone. I think she understands at this point that she has Jenna and Towns on her side, but from a scientific test standpoint, they would have been there as a backup. But what comes out of this is, and this could certainly be a nitpick. Why did Jenna think she would have gone back to the quarry? You know, did she notice the missing backpack? Whatever. Jenna goes, sees the bike, and she goes to the edge and she's ready to jump in after Henry. And then she sees that yeah. whirlpool and, you know, things start shaking and all of that. And then, of course, that's when Henry teleports back to her bedroom. So, you know, Jenna, again, as if she needed more proof, she got it. Still don't necessarily right. know what's going on per se, but. You know, the, the the pieces are falling into place. Henry goes to see Clay in the hospital, as you mentioned, and she's a little more tactful than Jenna was, which is sort of ironic, certainly not what I expected. He is not suspicious at all. Lucas says you called 911, remembers kissing, but nothing after that. Tells her, I'm glad you got away because we're wondering what is she going to say? And she basically says what Bill Boone will certainly believe is the truth that, you know, the Mennonites beat you up as payback for the lost drugs or as it turns out for, well, no, I mean, I was going to say as it turns out for the, uh, the dead guy, but that comes after, of course. No. Yeah. That's after. Uh Yeah. Um, yeah, you can see there's a moment there where she's like, he's like, well, we, I remember we kissed, you know, and, and she, she understands that first of all, he, now he's a paraplegic and also that he doesn't have a, any kind of memory of, of, of what happened. And so there's that moment there where she was like, she says like you, and you know, she's about to say it. And then she goes off, says, yeah, you know, she just changed her story to say, we were attacked. 
But, you know, instead of you assaulted me, she said we were attacked by the Mennonites, and 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 then so it turns out her big shame, which actually is a pretty neat little narrative as far as the story goes. I mean, she really she just came thought of that one on her feet. She did a great job because it's a perfect. I've been acting weird and guilty because I ran away. Not because I caused this, but because I ran away. So that actually is going to fit well with the narrative. And like you said, Bill will totally believe that. Now, Lucas, maybe not so much, but, you know. We will see. But uh, we see Towns Googling teleportation ends up on YouTube, of course, where else? And he finds the subway video of Keegan-Michael Key disappearing. And, and do you know I did go on YouTube and and put in teleportation just to see if anything came up and yeah, a few little things came up, but nothing, uh, <laughs> nothing like this, but obviously it gives towns more information about what's going on with Henry. And again, these are not stupid teenagers. They understand that there's this thing called iMovie and any of a number of video editing software out there. So you know, I, I would certainly think the first question they'll ask, is this real? And, you know, that certainly remains to be seen until the final scene. Henry's in bed sleeping. Objects start moving. And now she teleports in her sleep. And we're thinking, like, what the hell? Well, I mean, we, we you know, obviously we see, like, you look at Dominic and you can see how effortlessly he can teleport and that nothing is destroyed when he leaves or anything like that. So we get, we know that there is a, like a progression along the way that ultimately she can, she'll get to a point uh, if she lives long enough to that, she'll be able to do what, what Dominic does. So that's one thing like seeing that is we understand that, you know, she, you know, this is early stages, just learning how to walk or crawl, I guess, even, um, with this, you know, ability or power, curse, whatever it is. Yeah, so there's going to be all kinds of weird things. So, you know, they, they came up with the one thing. Well, like one trigger, obviously, is fear, but she was sleeping. So, you know, was she having a nightmare? And, and who has the nightmare of, because we saw, like, she needs not just to be afraid, but to be mortally afraid, right? Right. So I feel like there's no nightmare that I've ever had that you know made me feel like I was going to die. Now maybe there's something else that triggers. Well, me. the other thing is we've seen the bedroom as that place that she goes to to feel safe. Well, that's right. the starting point here. So where has she gone? Right. Where has she gone? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Where did she go to? Right. right. And, yeah. Exactly. Right. And then the other uh, points you were making is she going to learn to control on her own, or is she going to need someone to teach her? So, you know, th these are certainly questions that are out there. Um, any, anything uh, we didn't bring up that you want to address? Um, well, just the one thing, because I've had this song in my head like all day now, Going to Make You Sweat by CNC Music Factory. It's a song that's playing in the bar that the idiot thinks is Marky Mark. Like, come on, dude, really, Marky Mark? So it was just really cool how they incorporated that song. Not sure I would want to see the country version of that song, but, you know, it's kind of cool that uh, that Cleo totally knew, knew what that song was. Yeah, oh, no question. And, of course, I'd never heard of either of them. But, uh, all right, uh, were you ready to hear what... Well, you know Marky Mark, I, I do Mark know. Wahlberg. I do know. He, he yeah. played that Philadelphia Eagle guy in uh, that movie. <laughs> yeah. So. All right, you ready to hear what Fred's got to say? Sure. All right. Bring it on, Fred. Hello, Dave and Wayne. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Impulse Season 1, Episode 3. Whoa, what a audio feedback weekend. Impulse Season 1, Episode 3. Two short tracks for two different podcasts. Three episodes of Marvel's Runaways, which dropped its third season all at once. Premiere of season four of The Expanse for two different podcasts. And the beginning of next week, the seventh episode of His Dark Materials. Okay, about this episode of Impulse. 
I'm really starting to like this series actually a lot. It really is a series with full of excitement and not the kind of excitement, for instance, as in horror movies or horror-like movies like The Hunting of Hill House. I don't like that too much with jump scares, etc. But this kind of tension is nice. This kind of suspense, nah, really suspense. I don't know if you use that word in English for this kind of tension. I really like that Henry is not completely alone anymore and she has Towns and Jenny that really believe her. Very nice that they do a kind of experiment that doesn't work. But then Henry makes a big step and tries the same experiment again with a lot of stones in their backpack. And then it did work. I really wonder if Henry thought this life is so shitty or I know it works Or I just drown and actually she's suicidal. What she said about her mother, I thought, you're right. Especially when she is going to this bar and picks up this guy. And then, well, actually she realizes what she has done and comes back and starts to unpack her boxes. That was really a turn because there was quite some time during this episode I thought, okay... Henry, you're right about your mother. And she doesn't deserve this Thomas Hope. That this Boone family is a bunch of a-holes is still stands. Well, with Clay, you could doubt it at the moment, but he tried to rape Henry, so he still is. And I really wonder if everything will come back to him, what really happened. Probably we can expect that. I also really wonder if these imploding forces we see when Henry is teleporting, if that is also a kind of control. Because if we see the French guy or other ones shift, there is a little wind, but it's not that imploding as we see here with Henry in uh, the school toilets and also in the lake. So that you don't only get where you want to go better under control, but also on the side effects for your surroundings. I love Towns, who really has some ideas right, and that he finds on the internet a piece of footage that exactly shows the same as what Henry experiences. And I think it's a, it's a piece of film from this guy that shifts uh, in a running train, which we saw much earlier, I think, in episode one. Fortunately, we see a little more about the French guy in this episode. We also know that he can speak English and is called Dominique Baptiste and is played by Canadian actor Keon Alexander, who also played a role in the Killjoys episode I Love Lucy. And looking at IMDb, I got spoiled in the sense of that he also plays a role in the new season of The Expanse. But I'm only watching that once a week and giving feedback to the podcast of Mark from Solar Talk Media, who with a whole lot of his listeners also only watches one episode a week. In order that the old format Mark the Code created for his podcast when it still was under sci-fi, still is in order. I praise Mark's courage and quite a lot of his listeners, including me, of course. Dominique got to a secluded guy that helps him, and that one is probably on the run for some other organization because he really flips when he discovers that he has a tracker in this device. Of course, a very sad story that Dominique's wife is shot and that his child is taken and that is probably as leverage later on. You fully can expect that. Still wonder how these two stories will intertwine, but perhaps that will take a while. We now know a little bit about Henry's father and of course we wonder if he is a shifter as well. And he just didn't want his family to be threatened and just left to keep his family safe. Which is a very wise precaution if we see what happens to Dominic's family. And that brings up the next question. And that's not because I'm a geneticist, but 
is there a hereditary component in this telekinesis ability? And perhaps that's also a reason why this French guy's son is taken, and not only as leverage. Although you are not fully agreeing with me, I still have a Sense8 feeling, especially now that there is clearly an organization behind chasing these people with abilities. And the other similarity is that people in the beginning don't know how to control their abilities and first doubt their own abilities and then slowly getting more used to it and starting to believe it. And another similarity is that that organization tries to inhibit their abilities. That's also an aspect of Sense8. At the end, there is of course a new boundary set. Henry doesn't go to her room, but from her room. And why does she shift? Has she a nightmare? Is she very afraid in her sleep? What's happening? Greetings. All the best. Fred from the Netherlands. All right. Now, you, you know, we talked about some of the things that Fred brings up already, but he brings up the boons and wondering if Clay is going to remember what happened at a certain point. And again, that's something that I know, but at this point, it's certainly a reasonable question. And I guess my answer would be the brain is just this complex organ that i guess it's just going to depend that sometimes people regain memory and we hear that a lot of times on tv and you know even even reality shows not not reality shows like uh survivor but uh you know where brain trauma has led to memory loss and the doctor says well you know you might recover it you might not so it's a good question i think from a narrative standpoint the reasonable answer is to say he's going to start remembering more things. And from a medical standpoint, that might be true as well. Right. But it's still not going to make any sense at all. You oh, know? oh, right. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, what is he or Lucas for that matter going to say? Well, I had her locked yeah. in the trunk and the trunk <laughs> imploded and she was gone. Okay. Yeah. All right. Lucas, what are you smoking there, dude? Yeah. <laughs> the uh, let's see, what else did he bring up? Oh, let me look at my notes really quickly. Oh, oh, the thing about uh, Dominique's wife and whether she has to die, and 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 of course whether uh, Nikolai's taken the son as leverage. I, I mean, I think that's a given. The wife dying, I guess, becomes a little more problematic because it just seems as if Nikolai is sending a message. And it's a pretty extreme message to send, which I think then lets us know the kind of people we're dealing with. So I think she had to die from that perspective, but it's still... I don't don't know if she she had to, but I guess... If you're you're writing this, you know you want to show like because even you know in our discussion we're saying who's the good guy quote unquote and who's the bad guy quote unquote here you know who, who's on the side side of of right there's obviously two groups that are at war with one another who sh- who where should our sympathies lie well now clearly obviously where we tend to sympathize with the the shifters because well we sympathize with henry and she's a shifter uh so you know we would then sympathize with dominic since he is you know also has that same ability um so but yet there's no reason for us to we we don't know anything about dominic to except he's got a family well you know bad people have families too stalin had a family hitler had a wife you know yeah, so you know, bad people can have families. Bill Boone has a family, right. so so this is just kind of an indicator. Well, okay, the shifters are the the people you should be sympathetic with, and Nikolai are the super bad guys. All right, now Fred uh, obviously has had a lot of good questions, but his two at the end, I'm going to really need to tread carefully to the point that I'm going to raise his questions, but I'm going to let you address them. Because he, okay. he asks whether Henry's father might be a shifter as well. And 
yes. whether or not there's a genetic component in this telekinesis and yes. teleportation ability. So I'll let you deal with that one. Well, I, I think, as, as I said, I, I believe the answer to both questions is yes. Okay. Um, especially with the, and not because I've watched ahead, I haven't, what we see of um, not just Henry's ability, but the just the mystery of her father, right? Um, that, you know, he's this kind of ambiguous character that we don't know really anything about. I, you know, if I were a betting man, I would put money down that, yeah, for, for sure, her dad's a shifter. Yes, there is a genetic component. And yes, that's why, well, a part of the reason why Nikolai grabbed young Tristan. Uh, first of all, obviously, he is in some way trying to get at Dominic. He's trying to hurt Dominic. Um, flush him out. Taking his, yeah, flush him out. You know, who, who knows? Uh, but also part of that probably is that this thing is, you know, this kid's probably in for some uh, for some medical testing, right? Because in at this near future, because at this point, all we know about Henry's father is that Cleo was really in love with him. She mentions to Henry that you know it's this standard that has been difficult for me to meet. I guess the the way she felt when she was with him, and then he leaves his four year old daughter. And disappears. So that's yeah. really all we know about him. So I think that's a great question. And then does Henry's father leave his family to protect it? Again, I'll let you address that or what you think. Yeah, I would say probably. Well, again, if if the previous question holds true, if Henry's father is a shifter, does he leave his family to protect it? Um, I mean, I guess what well, I, I think... I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say, you know, when we see Nikolai kill Dominic's wife and take his son Tristan, he didn't have any trouble finding them. You know what I mean? So for. Well, he was tracking Henry's father. Well, okay. And that's true. That that is true. He's tracking him through that device. Because, right, Dominic took the device and they were able to track the device. But still, I, I wonder whether whoever Nikolai is working for, would they not have the resources to be able to track down Cleo, who, God love her, she's got a lot of good qualities, but I, I don't think she'd probably be that good. She, she's like no master of disguise. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. Well, and also, when you hear the story, you like think, well, you know... I feel like even the shittiest parent isn't just going to up and leave a four-year-old kid alone. Right. You know? So my, I would tend to think that he was taken from there against his will. So I guess the answer is no. I don't think he left to protect the family. I think he was probably abducted or taken in, in, in some way. Um, but then the question would be that why would they not take Henry if – you know, if it's a genetic if they, component. if Exactly. So maybe those two theories are at odds. But it just really doesn't seem like, you know, like he just said, well, all right, screw it. I'm, you know, I'm sick of dealing with this kid. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> it just takes off. Right. Like that doesn't seem reasonable even in, in the, 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 the worst parent of the world situation. So I would tend to think that he, he was, you know, like I said, uh, he was unwillingly taken from Henry. Okay. Well, I will just say I'm not going to point out anything specific that you have said in reaction to what Fred has said or things that you've just said in the course of the discussion. But uh, both of you have made some extremely astute observations, and I'm proud of you two. Oh, thanks, Dave. Yep. So. <laughs> you know, you got some. You got a lot of things right. Some things wrong, but uh, yeah, a lot of things right. And well, that's like like predictions. Like I really try. Like I mean, like it really, it really bothers me when I listen to podcasts and people just throw out predictions just to just to throw them out there, like to throw you know shit at the wall and see how much of it sticks. You know, yeah. I'm like, listen, base it on what you're saying. Base it on what you've seen in the episode. Yep. You know, don't just throw crackpot theories out there because you can throw about fifty during the course of an hour-long podcast and maybe two of them will be right talking to you jay and jack 
<laughs> and if you don't know who Jay and Jack are, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, Google, well, Google them. That, 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 that's another day when I have a rant about uh, of lost references in, in podcasts as well. Okay. But that, I'll, I'll save that rant for another day. Okay. All right. Anything else about Fred's feedback? No, I don't think so. All right. Cool. All right. Good discussion. Uh, you know, I, I think we forgot to uh, talk about a grade last week, and I just gave it an A minus. I'm starting to come around to your way of thinking that to earn an A, yeah, it shouldn't be easy. And while I think I, this is another really, really good episode. Oh, it was, yeah, it's good. Uh, I mean, are, are you thinking full on A or no? Okay. Not that good. Okay, so A minus again. <laughs> Right. Yeah, anybody. Okay. That, that, that's going to be my generic. It, it's a really good grade, but you know, like only I'm only going to give that A to like the what was that that the we will call the A's the International Assassin Award. Okay, right. Okay, because that was prob that episode of the Leftovers might be the single best episode of television I've ever seen in my life. So like that that's the that's the the standard. You got to get to that international assassin level to get the A. All right. And it's, like you said, it's hard to do. Fair enough. So, all right. Well, let's go ahead and leave it there. That will do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Impulse, Dark, anything else going on in genre TV. Encourage you to join the Facebook group. Share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. If you're already a member, spread the word. Emails, as always, go to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. And you can leave a voicemail using the speak pipe tab at the website or just record your own the way Fred does each week and send it as an attachment. We'll be back next week to discuss Impulse Season 1, Episode 4, titled Vita More. But until then... You know what, Dave? It's always around this time of year. It's the holiday season. And just every time I just kind of reflect on the fact that hugs can hurt. Sometimes they can actually feel a lot like fire.